I'm Gerilyn Novak with Novak Farms in Pleasanton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Here we go again with another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the top cotton marketer of 2021 is right here in Texas. In fact, this is the third year in a row that a Texas cotton producer has won the Cotton Marketer of the Year Award. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the Texas High Plains, corn and cotton are two of our principal crops. An ongoing study indicates maintaining a rotation between those crops can save water. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. College scholarship opportunities for youth at the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Well, January and February are cleanup months in the garden in Texas. Please join me, John Begnaud, as we talk about winter tasks in Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. At the recent Beltwide Cotton Conferences in San Antonio, BASF recognized the 2021 Joe O'Neill Cotton Marketer of the Year. It went to brothers Mark and Greg Howard of H Bar H in Dalhart, Texas. Mark had a humble response when asked about the award. Well, we probably feel we didn't earn it or deserve it. Uh, I know folks that did a lot better job than we did this year, but I guess I would have to say that we, we might have been selected for this because we attempt to be consistent at risk management and our marketing, and, and we uh, approach it in the same way and try to develop a system that works year in, year out. We, we're basically on a 50-50 corn-cotton rotation, and, and we like to maintain that. So we want to do the job in marketing that makes sure each acre each year is maximizing its return for our investment. Howard says marketing his crop is a year-round job. The Cotton Marketer of the Year Award is sponsored by BASF. The Texas Tech College of Agriculture gets a massive donation. Texas Tech University is changing the name of its College of Agricultural Sciences and Natural Resources to honor a $44 million donation received from Gordon W. Davis and his wife Joyce. The school has decided to rename the Agricultural College the Gordon W. Davis College of Agricultural Sciences and Natural Resources. Gordon Davis is a Lubbock area businessman who spent 10 years as an associate professor in the college. The donation from Davis and his wife is the largest single philanthropic donation to Texas Tech in school history. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Grazing stocker cattle has the potential to be a profitable venture this year if you have the wheat pasture to graze. 
Texas A&M Livestock Marketing Specialist David Anderson says the recent jump in feeder cattle prices should help grazers pencil out a profit if they bought the cattle right. You know, we graze a lot of stocker cattle in the winter, particularly on wheat pasture. And, and I think one of the things that may actually help that profitability is that uh, many stocker producers would have bought those uh, calves earlier, um, in fact, ahead of this run-up in prices. And so they may very well have bought those those lightweight animals to go on wheat pasture before the run-up. And now we're seeing feeder cattle prices uh, take off, which is what they're going to be selling in the spring. And so, uh, you know, I think there is, you know, we would have penciled out some profitable opportunities back in, you know, September, October, looking at at uh, various stocker programs. And I think this only helps those matters. And of course, you have to have the pasture to graze, which is not the case in many areas of Texas affected by drought this year. In the Texas High Plains, corn and cotton are two of the main crops. James Hunt tells us maintaining a rotation between those two crops can save precious water. Corn and cotton are, of course, two of the most widely planted crops in our region, and with more than four years of research now concluded, a North Plains Groundwater Conservation District study is demonstrating a consistent rotation of those two crops can save water while also producing good yields. Agricultural engineer Nicholas Kinney says the gains on the water management side come from cotton's ability to utilize water that corn left behind in the previous season. The cotton crop has a very active taproot system, and so it can extract water with excellent efficiency down to deepen the soil profile. What we found is we've looked at this rotation, done deep root digs, we can see a cotton crop extracting all of the plant available water down to eight foot deep into the profile where typically what we expect in a corn crop is we'll extract water very aggressively in the top two to three feet and then partial extractions down to say five or six feet. And so what that's doing, it's allowing any water that escaped below the root zone during irrigation of corn to be extracted and put to beneficial use within the cotton crop. And here's what Kenny says the actual numbers on water use have been looking like. When you combine the two, what we end up finding is it's, if, if you're going to allocate cotton and corn irrigation. It's something to the tune of 18 inches to corn and 12 inches to cotton on an annual basis. Although the applied may be in the mid-20s for corn and less than 10 on the cotton. And in terms of production using this rotation, Kenny says at the project's research farm in Moore County, they've been achieving 250 to 270 bushels per acre for corn, with cotton averaging around two and a half to three bales per acre. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are lots of college scholarship opportunities available for Texas youth at the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Matt Brockman, Communications Manager for the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo. A big part of the Fort Worth show are the scholarship opportunities, college scholarship opportunities for uh, Texas 4-H and FFA uh, youth. Uh, Talk about uh, some of those uh, opportunities and shows that uh, they can enter and uh, compete in. We have an event called our Heifer Superintendent's Beef Challenge. We'll have 4-H and FFA exhibitors here with their junior beef heifers. Throughout the 23-day run of our show, we'll have 4-H and FFA youth from 230 of Texas, 254 counties competing and exhibiting here. This Heifer Superintendent's Beef Challenge, it will pass out probably a couple hundred thousand dollars in scholarships. In 2020, 
2020, we handed out $750,000 in scholarships through our various programs, whether it's ag mechanics, our cash scramble program, scholarships that we provide to Texas 4-H and FFA members through their state organizations. And so scholarship programs are very important. Our junior sale of champions uh, auction that those exhibitors compete to be able to have an animal in 2020, I would say, raised $4.7 million. So we're looking, hopefully, to eclipse that number in 2022. So something we're really proud of. I think the stock shows are very important from the perspective of introducing our Texas youth, whether they're rural or urban, to the livestock industry and potential opportunities for them to pursue their educational goals. That is Matt Brockman with the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo, which continues through February 5th at the Will Rogers Memorial Center. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. January and February are cleanup months for Texas gardeners. Horticulturalist John Begno has more on winter garden chores. We're seeing a typical winter in Texas. We have days in the 70s and as high as in the 80s in January, and here we go down in the 20s, low 20s in some parts, and this roller coaster is very typical, and it doesn't mix plants up much this early in the year. It's in March when it gets to be an issue where we have peaches blooming early and plants budding out to get caught by a late spring freeze, and that's something we'll talk about later on, but right now, we're kind of getting things prepped. For instance, in the vegetable garden, if you still have things left over from last year, we're almost getting ready to plant things like onions and, of course, the cool season vegetables like broccoli and cabbage and cauliflower and radishes, carrots, all those things any day now and in South Texas already. So we want to get all that other stuff out. We want to plow the ground up if we can. That loosens it up, lets air in there, and roots perform better, absorb water and nutrients much better. So that's the reason we do it. And we like to incorporate a little organic matter. If you've got some old ground up leaves or if you have some old manure or access to some decayed organic matter like compost, great time to mix it in, plow it in, and be ready to plant any day now, depending upon where you are in Texas. Then we have a lot of landscape cleanup to do. By now, most of the the country or the state has seen temperatures cool enough to brown the tops on a lot of plants that are normally cut back to the ground. And we get that refuse out. We might grind it up. We might use it as compost. We might burn it. Depends upon where you are and what your needs are for that refuse. But you want to go ahead and get that out of the way. It also makes things look a little better. And the exception is grasses. You know, we've gone to using a lot of grasses in the landscape right now because it's more of a relaxed look. And in the winter, wintertime, that waving brown grass is kind of appealing. At least it gives you some texture to the landscape. So you don't have to cut that off right now. You can wait. And you know, the plant doesn't really care if you cut it off. A lot of it is just a grooming technique. So let's kind of get the leaves up and those stalks off and get things looking good and ready for growing. Reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today, this is John Begno. Researchers are looking for a way to protect the state's bat population against white nose syndrome. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And many different animals have become infected with COVID-19. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Many different animals have become infected with COVID-19 over the last couple of years, but Dr. Bob Judd says cats seem to be the most susceptible. Dr. Scott Weiss recently reported in Clinician's Brief about a study on coronavirus in cats, and the study involved experimental infection of cats with sampling to detect the presence of virus in different tissues. Virus isolation was used to detect the virus instead of PCR, as PCR can detect dead viral particles also, and live virus is required to transmit the disease. In a study, infectious virus was detected in the nasal turbinates and trachea, or windpipe, of all the cats on day three, and in in most cats still on day six. However, virus was not detectable on day 10, and this short duration of shedding the virus by cats is similar to the infection in humans. Although disease has been reported in naturally infected cats, no cat in this study of the virus that causes COVID-19 in people caused any signs of disease, and the virus was not detected in any tissue outside the respiratory tract. Even though there were no clinical signs noted in many cases, there was mild inflammation of the upper and lower respiratory tract and these lung lesions were still present in 28 days. The authors also studied susceptibility to infection by exposing three of the naturally infected cats and three experimentally infected cats 28 days after the initial infection, and none became infected. And the virus could not be found in any of these cats. This shows that cats that are infected do develop some degree of at least short-term immunity following infection. So cats can become infected with SARS-CoV-2, and most infections are subclinical. But unrecognized inflammation can occur, and cats only shed the virus about six days. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Researchers are looking for a way to protect the Texas bat population against white nose syndrome. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is looking for ways to remove the fungus that causes white nose syndrome in bats from roosts and caves as a way to prevent the deaths of thousands of bats. Jonah Evans, director of TPWD's non-game and rare species program, joins us with more. We've been taking a pretty lead role as far as state management agencies are concerned related to how to combat the fungus. We have some sites in East Texas. We're we're several years into testing a couple of experimental substances to try to reduce the impact of the fungus. These are bats in culverts, and that provides a really good opportunity to test things that would not be appropriate to test in a natural cave ecosystem where there's lots of other sensitive species and water contamination issues and stuff like that. In the summertime, we're applying a substance called known as polyethylene glycol or PEG. No, it's not antifreeze. It is a substance that has some antifungal properties that 
we spray on strawberries, it's in hand lotion, it's in your toothpaste, it's in all kinds of substances that is, is widely known to be safe for animals. And we're using an even safer version of it known as PEG 8000. That's the molecular weight. And so we're spraying that in the culverts when the bats are not present to try to prevent the fungus from being able to grow in the culverts. These are some really important sites where there's thousands of tricolored bats found. That's one of the species that, that has been really dramatically impacted, greater than 90% declines in some other states. That was Jonah Evans, director of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's non-game and rare species program. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It was not a pretty day in the cattle market on Monday to kick off the week, but we did see a nice jump in corn and wheat. We'll update all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was not a pretty day in the cattle market to kick off the week on Monday. We had a very negative USDA cattle on feed report released Friday afternoon. And when the markets opened up Monday morning, the market reacted to a big jump in placements. We had a 6% jump in placements into the feedlots in that report. That was much higher than pre-report analysts were expecting. So that had a very negative effect on the market on Monday. We closed with February live cattle down $1.60 at one. 3632 the april down 202 at 14007 june live cattle down a dollar 72 closing at 13557 same thing on the feeder market january feeder cattle down a dollar 80 15847 the march down 205 16125 april feeder cattle down a dollar 75 closing at 16637 Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling most of our cattle here in the South at 137 on a live basis. That is a dollar to a dollar fifty higher compared to the previous week. Up north, they sold cattle as high as 139 live. However, most of their cattle sold at 137 as well. Dressed sales up north at 218. Boxed beef was higher on Monday. Choice up 35 cents, 292.76. Select up $1.69 at $284.02. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. It's time to head to Angelo and talk to Jody Fry from Producers and Cargill San Angelo about the cattle sale he had Thursday. Jody, how'd it go? 
Today, we sold 885 head. Compared to last week's sale, the kids in the early kind of cost steady to $2 lower. Overall, the quality just wasn't quite as attractive as it was the last several weeks. Slaughter cows and bulls, they were very active, 2 to $4 higher. Limited supply of bred cows and pears, those selling about steady, the ones we had. Better quality steers, 4 to 600 pounds, 135 up to a high of over 195, mostly 145 to 165. 6 to 800 pound steers, 120 to a high of 160, mostly 135 to 150. Better quality heifer calves, 4 to 600 pounds, 125 to a high of 160, mostly 130 to 145. Slaughter cows average to high yielding, 52 to 64. Several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 65 to 75. Thinner or lower yielding type cows, still a few of those from 30 to 46. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding, 73 to 89. A few of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 90 all the way up to a dollar. Bred cows and heavy bred two-year-olds had some small groups of those and some singles anywhere from 800 to a high of $1,300 per head. What do you know for next week? Well, it'll be pretty cold uh, here for the next couple of days, but I think uh, we'll be back to that five to 6,000 head of, of sheep and goats. It's stock show season. We'll be catching some of those, and uh, the market's good. It was a little lower Tuesday in spots on the lambs, but but overall still a good, strong market, dry weather, so uh, we're going we're gonna to run some stock. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Jody Fry. Any of us there at the office at 325-653-3371. My mobile phone's 234-7895. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished higher. February hogs up 12 cents, 86.32. The April up 37 at 95.32. Class 3 milk lower. January milk down a penny at 20, 28, 100 weight. February milk down 10 cents at 20, 44, 100. Pressure in the cotton market coming from the outside markets. The Dow at one point was down over 1,100 points on Monday, and that helped to push cotton prices lower. March cotton down 37 points at 120.38. October cotton down 52 at 103.57. The December down 49 points, closing at 98.36 cents. The corn market finishing higher. March corn up four and three quarters, 621 a bushel. New crop September corn up one and three quarters, 580 and a quarter. Double digit gains in both hard and soft wheat on Monday. That's coming from continued tensions between the U.S. and Russia over Ukraine. We close with July Kansas City wheat up 21 and a half at 820 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up 18 cents, 792 and a quarter. In the energy markets, March natural gas was up 3 cents, 381. March crude oil down $1.34, 83.80 a barrel. Now, as we mentioned earlier, the Dow was down over 1,000 points at one point in the trading day on Monday. However, we recovered all of that. Actually ended in positive territory Monday afternoon. The Dow up 99 points, 34,364. The NASDAQ up 86 at 13,855. The S&P up 12 at 4,410. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.